We bless you in this place, Lord. We thank you for loving us as you do, God. You are great. You are greatly to be praised, Lord God. And we exalt your name this morning, Lord, thanking you for the love that you have shown for us. Jesus, we pause to acknowledge you as the lamb that was slain for us. You did it willingly. And so we honor you today. And we give you all praise and we give you all glory. Hallelujah. Come on, give the Lord another hand of praise. He's worthy. If you have your Bibles, would you open to the book of Leviticus chapter 16. The book of Leviticus chapter 16 and we'll begin reading in verse 1. Leviticus chapter 16. Verse 1, when you got it, say so. And it says, Now the Lord spoke to Moses after the death of the two sons of Aaron, when they offered profane fire before the Lord and died. And the Lord said to Moses, Tell Aaron, your brother, not to come at just any time into the holy place inside the veil, before the mercy seat which is on the ark, lest he die, for I will appear in the cloud above the mercy seat. Thus Aaron shall come into the holy place with the blood of a young bull as a sin offering and of a ram as a burnt offering. He shall put the holy linen tunic and the linen trousers on his body. He shall be girded with a linen sash and with the linen turban he shall be attired. These are holy garments. Therefore, he shall wash his body in water and put them on. And he shall take from the congregation of the children of Israel two kids of the goats as a sin offering and one ram as a burnt offering. Offering. I want to read verses 1 through 2 again before we pray. Now the Lord spoke to Moses after the death of the two sons of Aaron when they offered profane fire before the Lord and died. And the Lord said to Moses, tell Aaron your brother not to come at just any time into the holy place inside the veil before the mercy seat which is on the ark lest he die. For I will appear in the cloud above the mercy seat. God, we humble our hearts before you in this moment. It's so easy for us to forget just how holy you are, just how powerful you are. And we thank you for the beauty of the time that we're able to sing to you and rejoice in you. And we thank you because in this moment, Lord, we are not fearful as Aaron should have been to go into your presence. But Lord, there will come a day that every one of us will stand before you unveiled. to be judged, and we will either enter in to your joy or we will be cast from your presence. You have not changed. And so, Lord, as we sit before your word this morning, let our hearts tremble. Let our ears be open. Let us be surrendered vessels to you and remove distractions from our minds. Lord, change our lives by the truth that is found in your word, God. We thank you 
for these words that were inspired and written for us that we would remember to stand in awe of you always. We thank you for this. We pray this in Jesus' strong name and everyone said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. This morning we're continuing our series, A Call to Image Bearers in the book of Leviticus. We've been going through the book of Leviticus, and as we've been doing that, we have been reminded that God is holy, and that as a holy God, he calls us as his sons, as his daughters, as his image bearers to be holy as he is holy. The one thing that that Leviticus makes crystal clear to us is that we, above everything else that we should be in life, that we should pursue in life, we should want to be successful, we should want to be healthy, we should want to be a bunch of things, but the one thing that should be above every other thing is a pursuit of holiness because God says, be ye holy as I am holy. He doesn't just say it in Leviticus, he says it in the New Testament. He has not changed his mind. He is making us more like him. He is making us more like him. And so you don't have an outline today. I, I, I forgot to communicate with, uh, with, with uh, you know, last week I didn't preach this sermon, so I had, you had the outlines with you. If you brought your, your outline from last week, you got it. But I forgot to let them know not to throw them away, and they threw them away. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. And I didn't realize that until Saturday afternoon, so we couldn't get them printed. But anyway, nonetheless, I did, I, I, I did ask uh, Brother Lewis to, to put the introduction. So you can follow along with the introduction as you normally would. But while sin is ravishing the world around us and infiltrating the church, a little leaven, right? Paul said a little leaven leavens the whole lump. And the one thing that we do see, and this isn't in your outline, but the one thing that we do see, which is a sad reality, which is why I believe that this message is so very important for us, is that we see the church, the visible church, what we see. We, sin, we see sin creeping in and becoming normative within what we would call the body of Christ. Like sin is acceptable in our midst. I'm not talking about those folks who are not believers and who come and gather who are seeking. They're, 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 I'm not talking about them. I'm talking about those who would call themselves children of God. I'm talking about those who have been baptized, those who have made confession and profession of faith. And, and it seems that we are living in a moment where it's, it's sin is, 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 is okay. But Paul warns us. He says, a little leaven will leaven the whole lump. But in the midst of all of this, there's a message of power and hope that we possess, and it's locked up in the Day of Atonement. Today I want to talk about atonement. There's a message that can liberate those who are in sin, those who are living not for the glory of God but for their flesh, for themselves. There, there's a message of hope that is here that we find in the book of Leviticus as, as the writer Moses uh, tells us about this day of atonement, this instituted day that God has there. It is a day that marked the calendar of Israel annually, uh, making two things abundantly clear, two things abundantly clear that we see here in the day of atonement. Number one, that God wants to be close to you. There's beauty in that. There's beauty, but there's trembling, is there not? I wanted to go back to verses 1 and 2, especially verse 2, because I'm like, man, what an invitation, right? Like, if, if you were inviting somebody to your house and you told them, hey, I want you to come over to my house, but be careful what you eat because you may die. Hallelujah. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to assume you, like me, be like, you know, I might not come over, right? And if I do, 
I may not participate of whatever is presented before me, right? I'm just, that, that, that's just me. But you would be trembling. You would be careful. When we, we, went, we went on a, on a mission trip when I was a youth pastor to Mexico, and the one thing that they said to us from the beginning of this, this trip was, listen, do not drink the water. No matter what they hand you, do not drink the water. Because you are not used to that water. Hello. And you are going to come back with some parasitic activity in your <laughs> intestines. Hello. It's a, it's a different environment. So you went over there, and the one thing that, listen, if I don't remember anything else, I know this. I never drank the water. Hello. I didn't drink the juice. I didn't drink the lemonade. No matter what. No matter how thirsty I was, I was looking for bottled water that was sealed, glory to God. <laughs> that I was holding in my hand because there was fear, there was trouble. And coming into the presence of God, God wants to be close to us. There is beauty in that. We are his prized creation. You need to know that. The reason why we should care about those who don't know Christ is because they are God's prized creation. Every person you lock eyes with, every person you come across, they are God's image bearers. We should care about that because God cares about that. The second thing that is crystal clear here is that your sin separates you from the Lord. That's the brokenness. The marred image of God. While every one of us is image bearers by birth, by creation, we are marred because of our sin, because of our sin nature. There is beauty and there is brokenness, and the Day of Atonement brings it all together. And here's what I need you to just think about for a moment here, is God cannot be one with us if our sin is unaddressed. The reason why he told Aaron, Aaron, be careful, don't just come into God's presence whenever you want. Don't just walk behind the veil like, hey, I'm going to come check you out. No, 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 don't do that. Don't do that. God is holy. Don't, you can't come back here because when God's presence comes, when God's presence manifests, you're going to die if your sin hasn't been addressed. If you haven't addressed and dealt with the things there. So we can, be, we can, we can uh, either be uh, consumed like Nadab and Abihu, which is who this refers to in the beginning there. We talked about that a few weeks ago. And we can remain out of fellowship with our creator. Or we can embrace the significance and submit to the ordinances of the day of atonement. And when I say submit to the ordinance, I don't mean like we're going to come and we're going to sacrifice lambs here. Hello. It's, it's beautiful how the Holy Spirit led us in singing because we are reminded that we sing unto the Lamb who was slain for us. We are singing to the one who has already completed the sacrifice for us that, and has already made this atonement for us. We sing to him. We don't, we don't have to come up in here and, and, and you don't have to bring sheep and goats and bulls and bring them and I got to measure them and look at them, make sure there's no. I don't have to do all that because there was one that was without blemish. There was one that was without any issues, and that one died and rose again for our salvation. This morning, I want you to think about this. Atonement is the avenue God uses to reposition us for fellowship and fullness. Atonement is the avenue God uses to reposition us for fellowship and fullness. Here's, here's what we have to grasp, is that when you are not walking with Jesus, when you are living in sin, you are out of position to be in fellowship with God because you have made yourself his enemy. 
When you have not submitted your heart to God, you are his, when you are not walking with him, you are, you, are, you are making yourself his enemy. You are separated from him by your sin. The beauty of the cross is that he does what? He dies so he can reposition us as friends. We sang that, that, that song this morning, right, that, that, the, the, this friend that we have, this God of angel armies. You know why that's true? Because of what Jesus did. The reason why he walks before us and behind us, the reason why he's with us wherever we go, it's not because we are so cute or so great or so good. It is because of what Jesus did. He atoned for our sins. He atoned for our sins. He made this, this, this relationship that was broken to fix it. But God doesn't just want to have fellowship with you. He wants your life to experience fullness. See, there's something that happens when you come into a relationship with Jesus Christ. There's something that occurs. You don't just come into fellowship with God, but you begin to experience the fullness of God in your life. And I'm not talking about this prosperity garbage that, no, because you know what? The fact is this. You are not going to have every single thing that you want. That's not the fullness I'm talking about. Listen, some folks are going to be, they're going to have all of that stuff. God is going to bless them in that way. And there's nothing wrong with that. But if you don't have that, that doesn't mean that you can't have fullness. Hello. That doesn't mean that you can't have the fullness of God in your life because there's fullness that comes from that relationship with him, that joy, that peace, and, yes, hello, his provision. He wants to be that father. He wants to be that, that one who cares for you in all areas of your life, but he needs to do what? Make atonement so we can be in fellowship and we can walk in that fullness. Again, atonement is the avenue God uses to reposition us for fellowship and fullness. The first thing I want to ask you to repeat after me is this. Say, atonement, atonement. was precise, precise. Purposeful, purposeful, and memorable. Atonement was precise, purposeful, and memorable. So as with any, we looked at all the sacrifices in the second week that we walked through the first seven chapters of the book of, or the, or the first five chapters there of the book of Leviticus, first seven chapters, I'm sorry. And as we went through those seven chapters, we talked about all of those sacrifices. We looked at those sacrifices and we looked at what those sacrifices were, were significant of. As, as with every sacrifice that was made, the atonement pointed to the holiness of God. The Day of Atonement pointed to the holiness of God in a special way because there was some special stuff that happened on this one day of the year. This one day of the year, there were some things that would happen. And so the precision of the day, I said atonement was precise, purposeful, and memorable. The precision of the Day of Atonement is seen in the timing. The timing, when did the Day of Atonement occur? And it was also seen in the procedure that was there. Now listen, we could walk through this whole chapter together. I'm not going to read the whole chapter with you. I, I, I gave you the introduction to the chapter. Again, I always give you homework, right? I want you to go home. I want you to read chapter 60, just one chapter this week, hallelujah. That's all I got to do. Read one chapter, just look it over a couple of times. Meditate on learn some stuff about what happens in this atonement. But I'm going to give you some highlights. The first thing that we have here is that the Day of Atonement was the 10th day of the 7th month. It was an automatic Sabbath. The Day of Atonement was on the 10th day of the 7th month, no matter the day of the week. Now understand this, this is important. We're going to talk about this Sabbath in, 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 in the second point here. But I want you to know that this was the beginning of their new year. That's what it was. 
It was, it was literally the, the beginning of their new year. And in the 10th in the day after their new year began, they were called to pause, to stop everything, no matter what day it was. No matter what you had planned, no matter, no matter what you thought you were doing, that was a day that was holy to the Lord. You were going to pause and you were going to stop everything to give him worship. And then there is the procedure of what happened there. You see this through verses 3 through 28 there. And here's, here's what happened just really quick. The high priest prepared himself. He humbled himself. He put on, he changed his clothing. He washed himself. He sanctified. He didn't just walk in there like, hey, you know what? I took a shower. I'm okay. No, uh uh-uh. On that day, he was going to have to change his clothes. Humble himself again is what he was doing. The high priest didn't just prepare himself, but he offered his own sin offering for himself and his family. You know why? Because he was as much of a sinner as anybody else was. He was just as sinful as everyone else, and he couldn't walk into the presence of God without offering sacrifice for himself. That's why it's important to know every one of us in this room is in, at a, on a level playing field because we're all equally sinful before the holy God of heaven. And so he would offer the, his own sin offering, and then he would go in there. The high priest offered the sin offering for the people, two goats, one sin offering. A little bit different than the other sin offering. Remember, this day is a special day. Well, what happened is they would cast lots, right? And so they would, you know, eeny, meeny, miny, mo, however that worked, right? Two goats. <laughs> this one right here, okay, that's the one. We're going to sacrifice this one and kill this one. They kill this one. The other one is called the scapegoat. And what happens to this goat is he's like, thank you, it was not me. Because what happens to him, which I don't know if this is worse or or whatever, but the priest then lays his hands on this goat, and he begins to confess all of the sins of the people. We're liars. We're fornicators. We're adulterers. Thank you. We're idolaters. We're murderers. And the list goes on and on. He confessed all the sin over that scapegoat, and then guess what happened with the scapegoat? The scapegoat would escape. Someone would take the scapegoat far away. What's the symbolism of this? That's what happens to our sin on the Day of Atonement. One dies for us, and then our sins are removed from us. We can't see them anymore. Guess what God says? I don't see them anymore. See, that's the beauty of the atonement. The beauty of the atonement is that on that day, that scapegoat goes away. He is taken out. They no longer, Israel, they they realize in that moment, God has taken our sin away from us. We are no longer guilty before God. It's beautiful of what happens on the day of atonement. After that happens, then the high priest washes himself again, puts back on his official garments. Then the high priest offered the burnt offering before the people. It was precise. We see it in the timing of the day. We see it in the procedure that happened in that day. Again, all of this is there outlined before you. If you look at chapter 16, which I hope that you go and do, they offered the sacrifice. Then the purpose of the day of atonement, verse 30. I want you to look at verse 30. We will look at verse 30. Verse 30, and we're going to look to verse 34. And actually, let's just jump back to verse 29 since you're there. Verse 29, it says, this shall be a statute forever for you. In the seventh month of the tenth day of the month, you shall afflict your souls and do no work at all. 
whether a native of your own country or a stranger who dwells among you. For on that day, the priest shall make atonement for you to cleanse you that you may be clean from all your sins before the Lord. It is a Sabbath of solemn rest for you, and you shall afflict your souls. It is a statute forever. And the priest who is anointed and consecrated to minister as priest in his father's place shall make atonement and put on the linen cloths the holy garments. Then he shall make atonement for the holy sanctuary, and he shall make atonement for the tabernacle of meeting and for the altar, and he shall make atonement for the priest and for all the people of the assembly. This shall be an everlasting statute for you to make atonement for the children of Israel for all their sins once a year, and he did as the Lord commanded. The precision we talked about, now the purpose. What's the purpose of the Day of Atonement? We just heard it there. The Day of Atonement is announced. It's a Day of Atonement. What does this word atonement mean? So that way we can see what it means. I gave you the, the definition, I believe, the first week where, where, where you look at it means to be at one meant, at one meant. God means to be one with you. But the word in and of itself is a word kafar in the, in, in the Hebrew, and it means to cover, to smear, to appease, to make amends, to ransom, to pay a price. That's what atonement means. It means to ransom, to pay a price. Remember, it says, Jesus said something. I did not come to be served for the men that were with us yesterday. I did not come to be served, but I came to serve. And to what? To give my life a ransom. That's what Jesus came to do. To be the atonement for us. That's, that's what Christ came and did. Atonement, notice this though, and this again, you're going to find this when you read this. Atonement was needed for the people, for the priest, and for the tabernacle. That's how sinful we are. We mess everything up. Are you here? Legitimately. Every, when you read it, you're going to be like, man, every single thing had to be atoned. There had to be atoned. There had to be blood on, on all of it because, because of the sinfulness of Israel contaminated everything. The Day of Atonement reminds us of that. It's this day that there is supposed to be this, this humbling ourselves. And again, we're going to get to that in, a second, in, in the second point here. I want you to look over in chapter 17 really quickly. Look at verse 11. We don't talk about the blood a lot in church, right? We should talk about the blood a whole lot. Like we do every, you know, every, every week we talk, we go through communion. We'll do that this week as we partake of communion. And we'll, and we'll, and we'll talk about the blood that was shed for us. But I don't know that we really understand why, why is blood even significant. Look at verse chapter 17, verse 11. It says this. It says, for the life of the flesh is in the blood... And I have given it to you upon the altar to make atonement for your souls, for it is the blood that makes atonement for the soul. Why does blood matter? Because life is in the blood. And it's not just about a sacrifice, it's a bloody sacrifice. There is blood that has to be shed. And, 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 and Leviticus 17.11, as we just read, makes it clear, without the blood there is no forgiveness of sins. Without the blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. But because of the blood, there is power and there is forgiveness of sins. There is deliverance from sin. So the memory of the Day of Atonement, I said it's precise, purposeful, and memorable. The memory of the Day of Atonement is inescapable. The freedom from sin's guilt. See, first of all, you have to, and we're going to talk about this again, you have to afflict yourself, right? You have to humble yourself, right? This, this is what happens on the Day of Atonement. But remember that beautiful picture of the scapegoat going away, and it is this beautiful picture that you are free from your sins because of what? That scapegoat took all of your sin. 
God has washed your sin away from you. It is an inescapable, uh, a beautiful picture of the freedom that we have from sin's guilt. The removal of sin's sting. We're not worried about the consequences because God has done it. And we see this God-initiated peace that would mark them for the year ahead. In, in, in their day of atonement, they started their year off 10 days in, and you know what? They're doing this day of atonement. And now they're looking. They're like, man, God has cleansed us. And for the whole year, hopefully, Pastor Aldo said that he's forgetful, as, as most of us are. That's the reason why your Bible is so repetitive. Hallelujah. It's the reason why the Scripture says, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Hello, because what? Not everybody can hear. Some of us don't want to hear. Some of us have grown hard of hearing. God is, is, has made this atonement, this one time a year, this reminder. They can go back. They can look at this. Man, God made peace with us. God did this for us. See, here's the beauty, the beauty of the new covenant. See, we, we're looking at the old covenant, but I don't want to just look at it, and I've talked about it a little bit. But in the old covenant, this was a yearly thing that had to happen, right? The beauty of this is that this isn't a yearly thing that has to happen. We can celebrate the blood of Jesus every single day. As we gather as the body of Christ, we can celebrate the blood of Jesus, the body of Christ that was broken for us. We, can ce we celebrate that weekly. The reason why we do it every week is because when we gather together, we are reminded of the blood that has made our souls clean, of the blood that has washed us and made us his children. We, 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 are, we are grateful that there's no need for an annual sacrifice, but there is assurance of what? That when we fail, and we will. That when we fall short, and we will, that when we, when, whenever we do that, we have an advocate with the Father. The lamb that shed his blood always makes intercession for us. The second thing I'll ask you to repeat after me is this. Say, atonement <clears throat> was a call to humility. Atonement was a call to humility. Verse 29, verse 31, we see there, look, look, look with me, verse 29, it says, This shall be a statute forever for you in the seventh month of the tenth day of the month. You shall afflict your souls and do no work at all, whether a native of your, of your own country or a stranger who dwells among you. Verse 31, it is a Sabbath of solemn rest for you, and you shall afflict your souls. It is a statute forever. It's funny, because it's almost like it's a contradiction, right? In one, in one sense, it's like you need to afflict yourself. You need to make yourself feel some kind of pain. That, that, that's what this means. That you should feel the Day of Atonement. You should feel it. You should, you should sense some, something going on inside of you on the day of atonement. And then you also are supposed to rest. It's, it, it's this thing that works together. That we learn what? That, that, that even when we feel the weight, we should feel the weight of our sin whenever we sin. I remember when I first became a Christian. I'll never forget it. The first time that I, that I, that I fell and I, you know, I, I used to do a bunch of stuff before I came to Christ. And so the first time that I ever smoked marijuana after being a Christian, yes, I did that. The first time that I did that, I will never forget. I was with, I was with one of my buddies. First of all, the whole time that we were there together, I could not shut up about how guilty I was. I couldn't, I could not, I, I couldn't, I, I just, I, I kept, he was like, bro, you're good. I'm like, nah, man, I, I can't believe I did this. I felt this weight of sin that, that because I, I couldn't believe that I gave in to something that I knew was wrong. 
My brother Jody is here. He's helping us out on the drums. I appreciate him so much. And he reminded me in the back here when we were, the, the first day that I came to church, after I came to church, I, I, right after the service, I don't know, we went, they came to my house and I felt like, man, I need to dump that stuff out. And I right in front of them, I was like, man, I'm dumping. I dumped all that stuff down the toilet, glory to God. I knew it was wrong. I have no clue. His dad was preaching in Spanish. That was the first time I ever listened to the preaching. I have no clue what his dad was even saying, but I knew when I got, I don't even know if he said marijuana. I don't have no idea. Hello. I couldn't tell you if he said that. I just knew when I came out of that service, I felt like I needed to get rid of it because I knew it was sinful. Now, mind you, the day before, I went to Sanford, bought that stuff because I thought, well, God created it. Hello. I'm being straight up. Friday night, my mom leads me to Jesus, radically gets saved. Saturday morning, I wake up, call my, my buddy Jason, like, hey, man, can you pick me up, take me to Sanford? We're going to all the way to Sanford, all the way back. You know what I did to Jason? I preached to him about what just happened last night, glory to God. Get out of the car. He's like, man, I got to go back to church. God, even in my ignorance, right? God used that. The next day, I came, I came from church, and I knew that my ignorance had been illuminated, and that stuff was not good. So anyway, that's an aside in case you have a little argument about all that stuff there. Hello? Amen. There are things that are clearly sinful, things that we should not participate in. And, and, and what happens is when we participate in those things, we should feel the weight of our sin. I remember when I got with my buddies after I was straight a couple of days later, I was still feeling the weight of conviction. I couldn't shut up in the back of the car. And I was like, man, I can't believe I did this. And finally, they turned around and like, yo, Jason, did you confess? I'm like, yes. They're like, did you ask God? I said, yes. They're like, shut up. I felt the weight of my sin. I didn't know how to rest in God's forgiveness. And you know what? That may sound radical, and you may be like, man, he didn't know grace. Man, I'll tell you what. I will trade feeling that weight of sin than feeling no sting of sin in my life. I, 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 will, I, will, I will long to be that legalist, if you want to call it that, to where I can't just sin and be okay with it than to just walk around like, oh, well, I sin. Well, God's grace is. No, no, no. No. The day of atonement was a day that there was supposed to be humbling. The day of atonement was a day of humility, that word affliction there. It was a day in which Israel was to do what? They were to pause. No matter what day of the week it was, it was a holy Sabbath. Monday, you were, you were ready to start that project. No, you're not. <laughs> nope, it's the 10th day of the seventh month. You might have woke up and forgot. Someone's reminding you, no, 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 we ain't working today. You see, when we, when we talk about the Sabbath, no work was supposed to be done on the Sabbath. As I was studying this, here, this messed me up. Y'all know I preached the Ten Commandments like a couple of years ago. We talked about the Sabbath and stuff like that. But here's something that I realize about the Sabbath. To Sabbath is humbling. What do you mean? Because here's what you do when you Sabbath. When you take this day of rest, when you unplug, when you say, nope, I'm going to do nothing but worship the Lord, here is what you are saying. You are pausing from everything that you can do for yourself to worship the one who gives you the grace and strength to do it all. You are saying, listen, I'm not going to work another day because you have asked me for, for at least one day that I pause to give you the worship, the praise, the adoration, the focus. And I realize, man, if I work that extra day, I'm really not going to do more. I'm only going to do harm to myself. Because you know what God did? He gave us the Sabbath for us. Hello. Because we need rest. But on that day, on that day of Sabbath, on that day of atonement, they were to humble themselves. 
God commands them to afflict themselves. In the, in the NIV, it says to deny themselves. And this is a Hebrew word that means to humble or to oppress. If you want to see a couple of examples of its use, it's used to describe the pain the Egyptians inflicted on the Hebrews. We see that in Exodus chapter 1, verses 11 through 12. It is, it is a description of the suffering that Joseph felt when he was in prison. Psalm 105 and verse 18. The affliction of the Day of Atonement is usually connected with fasting and confession of sin. So what was it? It was a day of recognition. It was a day of repentance. It was a day where there was humbling that was happening. On this day, what God was doing was God was saying, Israel, I want you to get serious about sin. Can I tell you something? The church needs to heed that call. Hear the words from James. Listen to what James says. James chapter 4, verse 8 through 10. And just in case you're confused, James is a book in the Bible, which means that it was written to people who were believers. Like James is not a book that was found floating somewhere, right? And someone's like, hey, let's put this in the Bible. No, no, no. These words are written to believers. These words are written to Christians. These words are written to those who would confess or profess that they are followers of Christ. Listen to his words, James chapter 4, verses 8 through 10. Look what he says. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Doesn't that sound familiar like what we just read? Hey, Aaron, come in here. God's going to draw near to you. But look at the next words that come out of James's mouth. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. James is calling the church. Draw near to God. Come close to the Holy One. But don't come up in here with your giggles. Don't come up in here with, your, with all your cutesy and all that. No, no, no. Humble yourself before the Lord. Recognize your sin before a holy God. Don't think that God is someone to play with because he is not. And you know why these words have to be so hard to us in the day and age in which we live? Any time in history, these words have to, because we are going to stand before the tribunal of God. And if we have not drawn near to God and humbled ourselves before him and purified ourselves and dealt with our sin, we're going to have to deal with that in front of him. Let me tell you something, you want to deal with it now, not then. Because now there's atonement for you. Then, no, no, there's just judgment. These words that James, there's urgency in these words. It, listen, if you are playing with sin in your life, you should hear these words and be like, man, I can't live like this anymore. Because here's the fact, and listen, I, I don't say this to scare you, but this is in the script. Tomorrow is promised to no man. You can hear these words and be like, well, I'm going to get right with Jesus next week. And I remember when I went to church one time and Jody was, 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 he recorded the sermon or something like that, that the pastor preached. I told you guys a couple of weeks ago about this. I was sitting in the back as the pastor was preaching in this youth service. I sat back there. My best friend didn't get up to move. And I was like, man, I'm not going to get up either because I don't want to lose my friend to, to follow Jesus. And I remember Jody, I asked him, he told me that he had this recording. And I remember he gave me the recording. Back then we used cassettes. Hallelujah. I know y'all are like, what is a cassette? <laughs> It's funny, the other day my son, I, we were talking about CDs, and, and, and I said, babe, Josiah probably doesn't even know what a CD is. He knew what a CD was. He hasn't gone that far yet. But anyway, <laughs> if I told him what a cassette was, he'd be like, what is a cassette? Anyway, he gave me the cassette. I went and I put, it, I put the headphones on. I remember I was 
listening to the sermon. And as I heard that message, I was bawling because I realized how much time passed from the moment I heard God call and I responded. I realized how many things happened and I could have been dead, but he was merciful. That's not so for everybody. And so listen, don't play with God. Today's the day of salvation. If you don't know him, today is the day that you can humble yourself before him and acknowledge your need for this atonement. There's one last thing that I want to say about the Sabbath before we move on to the last point, and it is this. It is that the Sabbath was a day of rest. And you know what that reminded, reminds us of and reminded Israel of, and they didn't see it as clearly as we do, is that forgiveness is a gift of God. It's not something you can earn. It's not something you can work towards. See, that, that, that ram worked for you what you couldn't work for yourself. That ram that ran, that was the scapegoat, it, it took your sin away. God, you didn't do that. You were resting. You were humbling yourself, but you were resting. And we realize this, and that's the beauty of the gospel again. The third thing I'll ask you to repeat after me is this. Say, atonement, atonement. was a shadow of a prophetic future. Atonement was a shadow of a, prophetic of, a, of a prophetic future. I want you to turn to the book of Zechariah with me, if you would. The book of Zechariah, chapter 12, and I believe it'll be projected here. Zechariah, chapter 12, and I'm going to read from verse 10 to, verse, to chapter 13 and verse 1. And this is, this is a, an example of a scripture that is pointing to what I'm saying about Jesus being the atonement. Zechariah, chapter 12, verse 10 and it says this, it says, And I will pour on the house of David and on the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and supplication. Then they will look on me who they, whom they pierced. Yes, they will mourn for him as one mourns for his only son and grieve for him as one grieves for a first born. And so, again, I just want to read that, but you can, you can continue on to see where, where this mourning that takes place that, that is described of a future event that is going to occur. The point that I want to draw out here is that there is a future, and Israel will look at the one who was pierced. Who's the one that was pierced? That was Jesus. They will look on him and they will mourn. They will repent of their sin. There will, be a, there will be that reconciliation because of the atonement that was made. But here's what I don't want you to miss. Is that as true as it is that, the, that, that this day of atonement is a picture of a prophetic future for Israel. Please hear this. That the atonement has a more immediate implication. We talked about it here. There's a much more immediate implication. Each of us needs an intimate, life-changing encounter with the one who is our atonement. Did you hear that? Each of us that is in this room or watching online, each of us needs an encounter with the one who is our atonement. Now just think about it for a moment. I want you to think about this because this is really important to me. Because as I prayed about this, as I thought about this sermon, the one thing that I have to ask is, man, do you have that, that, that day? Do you have that moment that you remember? Like, man, there, there was a day that the light turned on. There, there, there was a moment that, man, my life was changed. 
There, there was a, now listen, everybody's moment is not the same. Some, some moments you're sitting in a car and, and the light bulb goes on and you're just, and, and it, it happens there. Some moments like the one that I had with my mom and, and the spirit of God. And I mean, it was a big moment and some people hear those moments. It, it could be you're sitting down reading the scriptures and all of a sudden, boom, it came to life. And, and that but, but man, if you don't have that moment, you're not in a good place. I'm not a guy that's all about feelings because it's not all about feelings. It's not all, all about emotion, but it is a moment. There's a moment that we encounter God. It may be hearing a sermon. There have been people that they're hearing a message, and it's like the person who's preaching and the one. It's like everybody else is not in the room any longer. It's just you and that person that's there. There is a moment that the light turns on. There's a moment that even though you don't even know what the word atonement means, you, don't, you, you may not even know the full gospel clearly, but there is a moment that your life was changed. Have you had that moment? Have you had that moment? Have you experienced him? The same way that Israel will one day. One day Israel is going to look on the one that was pierced and they're going to mourn. They're going to realize that it was them who put him on the cross. They're going to realize they missed him when he visited this earth. They're going to realize that one day. I want you to hear these words. You've heard them before. We read them often and haven't read them in a while. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The chastisement that brought us peace was upon him. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was wounded for our trend, for our break, because of our guilt, he was wounded. Because of our guilt, because of our breaking of God's laws, he was crushed for our sinfulness. Hear these words. And all we like sheep, not some of us, and all we like sheep have gone astray. Every one of us to his own way. And like a sheep, like a lamb that is led to his shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. When he could have saved himself, he chose you. When he could have saved himself, when he could have called legions of angels from heaven, when he could have said, all right, this is enough, when he could have done all of those things, he chose you. That's what atonement is. He didn't complain about it. He didn't whine about it. He suffered in shame for us. He chose you. He chose us. My closing question is this, and it may sound weird, but have you had a day of atonement? And really what I'm asking is, have you been born again? See, when I'm talking about that moment, see, some of us are raised in church, some of us are raised in, you know, religions, and, and we learn to do good things because that's what good religious people do. That doesn't mean you're born again because you like to do good things. Have you been born again? Have you been given new life? Today's the day that you can receive new life. 
But you got to recognize it, man, I haven't, man, I haven't been born again. Atonement has been made for you. Again, the iniquity was laid on him. Your sin was laid on him. And just, and, and just being a good person is not good enough. I'm sorry. Because you know what a lot of good people think? They think they're good enough without Jesus. And that is the greatest form of insult and pride to say, I'm good. I don't need Jesus. I don't need that atonement you're talking about. I'm okay. No, 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 none of us is okay. Again, all, we, like sheep, have gone astray. Every one of us has turned to his own way. So I'm going to ask you to bow your heads right where you are. If you're in this place and you say, Lord, I, I, need, I need to be born again. Or if you're online and you say, I need to be born again. In this moment, I want to pray for you. And as I pray, I'm going to tell you that what is most important is that you humble your heart before God is that you recognize in this moment how desperately you need him. And that as I pray that you cry out to him, that as I pray you cry out and say, God, forgive me. God, cleanse me. God, make me new. Give me new life. Father, in this moment, I come to you. I humble myself before you and I pray for every person that is in this place. Every person that is hearing us online, Lord God, or on a podcast, Lord, may you grip their hearts. If they do not know you, God, may you grip their hearts. May you call them into a relationship with you. May you call them as You called Aaron to come into your presence in the same way that James tells us to come near to you. Father, give new life to those who are dead in their sins and trespasses as they call upon you, God. May you meet them, whether it's in this moment, whether it's when they're by themselves. Lord God, may you meet them. May you call them. May you deliver them from their sin. Father, I also pray for those in this place that have strayed, for those in this place who have turned to their own ways. They're they're, they're your kids, Lord God, but they've turned to their own ways. They've lived in this cheap grace for too long. They've forgotten the fear of the Lord. God, may you grip their hearts with the fear of your name. May today be a day that there is fresh and new commitment to you to live holy, to live for your glory, to live for your honor. In Jesus' name.
Lord, and lastly, I pray for us, your sons and your daughters that are walking with you, imperfectly, but nonetheless walking with you. Lord, may we have a great concern, not only for ourselves, but for those who are your image bearers who need to know you. Holy God, we humble ourselves before you, and we ask you all of these things in the strong name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen. Amen. Would you give the Lord a hand of praise? He is worthy of all glory.